Well, welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. And this is another in an ongoing series of special episodes in the Roadhouse Cinematic Universe. Marcy, I'm so excited to be doing this episode. Um, Sweet. We are going to talk about this is our so this is our second uh, episode in our Sam Elliott series. And based on your feelings from the last episode about Tombstone, I imagine that this is going to be better because I don't think we could have shown you anything that was much worse. Well, there's also more Sam Elliott in this movie. That is fair. So in the last one, we're going to be talking about the 2018 Bradley Cooper directed a star is born. Um, and I'm so happy to be joined. Finally. I feel like this is, this is, this is the stamp of approval. You know that you've made it as a movies by minutes podcast. When you have Alice Lauren on your podcast, uh, she has graced, too many podcasts for me to name. Uh, how are you doing, Alice? Oh my gosh, what an introduction! So much better now. <laughs> well, how many? Uh, just just ballpark. How many podcasts do you think you've been a guest on? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, ten to fifteen. I don't 10 know. Ten to fifteen. Wow. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I've heard several of them, and you were great. And so when I when you reached out to me on Facebook, I said, yes, you know, this is going to be great. Um, oh my gosh. No pressure. Um, <laughs> all the pressure in the world so no i'm i'm really excited to talk about this movie um, i think marcy marcy would you agree that i've sort of been like hyping this movie for several weeks leading up to when we watched it yeah for sure so yeah i'm glad that well i'm glad that i think i thought it was good i think you thought it was pretty good too yeah uh, i'm glad it, it it didn't disappoint yeah you know i I've wanted to see this movie for a long time and also been very scared to see it because I, as I was explaining to you the other day, like I felt, I didn't know that, um, I knew that he was going to be an alcoholic in this movie, but I thought he was going to be violent and abuse her. And I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, but it always like was a turnoff that that would be what we would be watching. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about it. I mean, in, in some sense, in some sense, this movie has all the trappings of a classic biopic. Like if you've ever seen like Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash movie, you know, or other movies like like Ray um, or Coal Miner Starter, like all those movies, like they have a lot of the same beats as this movie, even though this movie is completely fictitious. Um, <laughs> but so so why don't we just kind of start with that? So so. Alice, what is your sort of like, what are your kind of basic feelings about this movie coming into our discussion about it? Like, give us, give us your quick, quick take on A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I mean, when I first heard this movie was even coming out, I mean, and then I learned there were like three or four other ones before it kind of made <laughs> me want to watch the ones before. I have not seen the previous ones at all. Maybe someday. I don't know. Um, I've heard they're a little bit different, but yeah, I was uh, happy to see this movie in theaters when it came out once. And I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I am myself a singer, performer. Um, so, I mean, this is definitely right up my alley. I really like Lady Gaga. I think it's great to see her so stripped back like this. So it's yeah. right up your alley. I like what you did there, Alice. That was, <laughs> was an um, accident, but all right. <laughs> it's funny you brought up. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how many other movies have literally been made four times. 
right? Like sometimes you get a remake every so often you get like a second remake, like with something, well, you know what? Maybe King Kong has been remade four times. Um, but Marcy, you said that just recently leading, getting ready for this podcast, you started watching the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson version from the 1970s. Yeah. So how was, I'm about how was that a, experience. I'm about a third of the way into it and I haven't really enjoyed it very much so far. And a lot of it has to do with the music that they're playing. Like, I feel like one of the things that was so great about this version is that I really enjoyed the music and I knew the, um, you know, key song from this just from the radio, but I felt like the rest of it, even the rock stuff, like had kind of like a rock country vibe to it that I could get with. Um, but the Barbara Streisand one, <laughs> she's she's singing some very pointed, um, you know, kind of folky songs um, that, you know, the lyrics to them were just too much for me to really get behind and then like it at all. And also like, um, you know, they're, they're both doing a good job acting. Like I didn't feel like, Oh, I'm not enjoying the acting in this. I just didn't. Um, I also didn't like how the characters were behaving in this kind of generation before people like treated each other a little bit kinder and mm. had more respect for each other. You know, um, he's just kind of, it seems like he's just kind of claiming her and deciding what he wants from her. Um, and she's going along with it a little bit more. Yeah. And that's, that's actually sort of like a, this movie makes a huge right turn from that. Um, and, and I definitely want to, talk about that because you know this this the plot beat of this movie is you know like like jack i guess you would say discovers ally and gives her a stage but then her career just like takes a hard right turn and heads off in a totally different place that like frankly i'm not very happy with and I, i'm excited to talk about that and when she sort of turns into like you know britney spears or whatever they've decided to make her into um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about the music a lot. Marcy, where's my decorum though? So Alice, we oh. always like to we always like to start <laughs> these podcasts where we do a whole movie at a time with the IMDb summary of the movie. Um, okay. What do you think, Marcy? One sentence or two? I think this is going to be a one sentence summary. You are right. So here we go. A musician helps a young singer find fame as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Age. I mean, I definitely had that that thought a little bit when I was like, hmm, isn't he like in his 40s and isn't she like in her 30s? And I think what also I was just kind of looking at him and I was like, oh, you know, he's done a lot of movies with Jennifer Lawrence. Also, she's in her 30s and it just kind of set me on this little, not spiral, but on this little thing of like, interesting, you know, you always have those large, maybe it's maybe it's not as large of an age gap, you know, as I think. I mean, I've been following Lady Gaga's career for a long time. And so to me, she's forever 22 or, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, but when yeah. you said in her thirties, are you saying that Lady Gaga's in her thirties, or that yeah. she, or did? Because I mean, I would say in this movie, and I, I Marcy, I want to know what you think about this. I would say that Allie is playing like mid twenties at the oldest. Okay. Don't you think, Marcy? I don't, I don't think that young. Like oh, I felt really? like she might have been a little bit later twenties or early thirties because I get the vibe that like, she's kind of been stuck in this 
unsuccessful track for a while and, you know, playing at um, the drag bar and doing odd jobs and stuff like that. I felt like she might've been just a little older than that. Okay. Not quite a spring chicken still. But there's definitely an age gap. Yeah. You know, I was, I did a little bit of poking uh, and found 12 things you didn't know about this movie. And one of them, one of them was that Bradley Cooper, uh, like got spray tanned in order to look the way he did. And he had like a weekly spray, spray tanning regimen, but also like a daily spray tan to his face to like get him to look a little bit more craggly and his skin to look a little rougher. I thought that was interesting. And like going back and looking at his coloring, I was like, Oh yeah, he looks like leather. That sounds awful. Yeah. But still aging. I mean, 40 can't be that, you know, I think like Willie fair, Nelson, though. it's like, you know, what is he? Willie Nelson's got to be in his eighties now. I think he's eighties. Yeah. 97. I mean, that's that's true uh but i i think it's fair to say that like 40 let's say 45 years for jackson maine is like 65 years for the rest of us some hard life and also as a performer too i mean i'm i mean women obviously in the entertainment industry it hits harder when they're you know 40s and and on they're always you know the mom or whatever whatever role that they get they're much more limited roles but yeah i'm sure in the music industry especially as you get older um a a performer a musician 40 year old isn't like a normal person 40 year old i guess yeah and this guy's like a hard rocker like his tinnitus and everything like um roger and i went to see a concert with our kids over the summer that we had to leave because it was so loud the black crows and it the amount of sound was just oppressive and um it was finally good when we were like half a mile away from it and it felt yeah it was great in the parking lot it we was like great we stopped lot. about a hundred yards from our car because they just started playing the song um hard to handle which is like the probably the it one song i could recognize from the black fantastic. crows and i was like can we just stand here for like two minutes and enjoy that song yeah but yeah i don't that tinnitus thing like Jack is a really like tragic character. I think I feel really bad for him like the whole way through. Um, Cause he's also a, generally a pretty nice guy, at least as far as Ali is concerned. So I think you want to like root for him. Mm-hmm. And so like that scene at the very beginning where you can like hear his tinnitus and then you can see him getting checked out by like his ear doctor. It, it, it made me feel really sad. I was like, Oh man, like this guy is this, this guy's career is shot. Yeah, I was trying to figure out kind of what his ailments were. I mean, obviously, alcoholism, drug use, tinnitus. I was thinking probably something with the liver, just because there were some scenes where I'm like, man, he is really, you know, he passes right out. He's, I mean, I'm sure alcohol and drugs can do that, but there's got to be something else, you know, internally. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you learn at one point that um, his dad started doing drugs with him when he was super young, like a a child. And that's just scary and crazy. And much like fortunate Marcy, a connection to our Bowfinger Minute podcast, where we learned that that same thing happened for Robert Downey Jr. with his dad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, public service announcement to parents out there. Not a good way to bond with your kids, to get no. them addicted to your substance, your drug of choice. Oh, jeez. Um, kind of messes them up. 
Marcy, what were some of the things that we usually like to start by talking about the things we liked about the movie? And I think there are a lot of things we liked about it. But Marcy, what were some of the things that you especially liked about A Star is Born? Um, well, I love the music. I thought that was fantastic. I really liked how um, a lot of the scenes visually were really captivating. Like they did a lot of nice work with the lighting and um, just kind of making it look lush and kind of dreamy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um especially when they were performing together. Um, I really liked, uh, I really liked the, like watching them kind of craft their song and how she had a little bit of it and he brought in a little bit of it and then it became this thing. And I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, one of the funny things, sorry, just, just to kind of step in there. So I guess I have a lot of things that I really liked about it. So I do too. Um, but just a piece of trivia about that. So you're talking about shallow. Um, I love that scene in the parking lot. I didn't know that that scene existed. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, so I I have also collected random facts about this movie, mostly (gasps) from a a website called the internet movie database. But (laughs) one of the facts about shallow is that, um, so shallow was written by, um, uh, Mark Ronson and Lady Gaga too, but also Mark Ronson. He's the guy who did Uptown Funk with Bruno Mars. Yeah. Um, and according to Ronson, he originally wrote that as a single just for her. Um, but then when Bradley Cooper was like, no, I want to do this scene. He like, he went back and rewrote the song as a duet. Mm, that's cool. So Alice, what about you? What are some of the things that you especially liked about A Star is Born? Yeah. I mean, I love that chemistry, that romance between them was very sweet. Um, I think also just, I mean, I keep going back to as a Lady Gaga fan, I think watching something that seemed very much like her story and many other, you know, young artists in the business um, where, I mean, I've always admired like her, you know, big voice. She could say, I remember she's saying um, at the Oscars, she's saying uh, something from Sound of Music. I mean, she can sing opera, she can sing anything. But they were really putting her in, you know, at first, these silly just dance, these silly little dance hits. And the way that they put in there, I think it's incredibly clever. Her SNL performance, where they put in, in the movie, the SNL performance, um, you know, this kind of just silly, inane drivel, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that, I mean, really, that did not play to her talents, obviously, um, I just, that was just spot on amazing. It was, you know, yeah. I mean, just basically telling off all these producers who, mm-hmm. who, who put her in that position. I'm so happy that she was able to just use her, her voice. And she's someone that can just stand out, you know, out there in jeans and a t-shirt and sing, you know, she doesn't need the electronic garbage, you know? So I, I mean, that was so clever to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it's funny how, you know, like I was saying before, like this movie is fictional, but in some sense, like, I feel like there's a lot of truth in it. Like, like the, this is the fictional biography maybe of Lady Gaga that we're never going to mm-hmm. get the actual story of. And that, that SNL skit, uh, according to Cooper, like originally they were going to have like one of those montages, like Allie becomes famous, but then they just decided like, look, if they show her as the headliner on an episode of Saturday Night Live, like you'll just know. Mm. Um, so let me ask a question about that because, you know, there's this, there's this very emotional scene. It's the one in the bathroom where Jack is drunk and then he starts just insulting her. He's clearly kind of jealous because she's made it. Um, but I remember, so Marcy, I remember I, I said to you, like, like he's a bad messenger, but I'm not sure he's wrong. 
So right. like, I wonder how the two of you feel about sort of like what happens to Allie's career. Cause like she starts off as sort of like a, almost like a country rock singer, singer songwriter, writes her own mm-hmm. songs. And then this guy Riz comes by and tries to turn her into, I don't know, the next Christina Aguilera. So like, how did you all feel about that? Well, she's also recognized for her work and doesn't she get a Grammy that first year for this kind of stuff that we're interpreting as like subpar, right? But the world is saying to her, Hey, we love this. And I think, you know, that's an arc of a lot of artists too, where they get recognized for their debut and they're out there and then, and then they kind of evolve a little bit into uh, you know, a different, more nuanced artist. Um, but it's hard when you have, you know, how talented Lady Gaga is and then, <laughs> and then you're seeing her kind of play down, but also get recognized for that. It's just kind of, a I don't know, it's hard to reconcile like what you know of her outside of the movie with what she's portrayed, portraying in the movie. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you Maybe you do what you have to do so that you can make enough money so that you can do what you want to do. Yeah, probably, you know, and I, I, th- I think like the one thing that she really pushes back on is the dancers, you know, but she doesn't, she doesn't necessarily really push back on the music or the lyrics, but did you all notice that? It was mostly like she's yeah. just kicking her yeah. dancers out. A fun trivia fact. Most of those dancers are actually Lady Gaga dancers. Oh, how fun. She yeah. just like sucked all her dancers in. And the guy who's coaching them, like when they're trying to do rehearsals for this weird dance number, that's her dance choreographer. Mm. So she she got she got she got some of her crew a little extra cheddar on the side. Alice, was, well, have you have you ever seen her in person? No, no, I'm sure those tickets are sky high. Yeah. But no, that would that would be amazing though for sure. Alice, what did what you think? What did you her? think about Allie becoming a pop star? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean as I said, I think it was just kind of silly. It was a waste of her her talent. Um, you know, I think Jackson was was right to be upset about it. You know, to kind of see, you know, her integrity kind of go down the, the tubes that way. But it is interesting that she didn't fight back too much about you know what the lyrics are, although we don't know behind the scenes kind of what was going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, she 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 saw a way into the industry beyond Jackson. So it sort of feels like she just kind of gets picked up by this guy, Rez, you know, who's supposed mm-hmm. to be her sort of Svengali like manager is going to take her. And she just like gets picked up and put on a rocket ship. And it's just going so fast at that point that she, she just has kind of has to hold on. I think at the beginning, she's probably just like holding on for dear life. I think as the movie evolves, you can see that she really kind of does claim ownership and sort of power over where her career is going and she's kind of become more settled with where everything is but i think at the beginning she's just like oh wow like yesterday i was nobody and i just performed at a show and now i have a big time music industry executive who wants to come up and turn me into a headlining act do you think though like you know either she's gonna do that or she's gonna get stuck with this alcoholic man who is like dying basically Um, you know, he has, I mean, he has his moments of genius, right. But he's clearly past his prime and like spiraling down into this alcoholism. So, you know, like she's a smart girl, like she's got her chance 
And if she takes this chance, um, she could be super successful, which she gets, or she could stay with Jackson and kind of like do Jackson's thing and have some sort of success, but maybe not this like ultra stardom that she was hoping for. I mean, it's a good sliding doors question. I think I'm not sure that it's, I'm not sure that there's only option A or option B. Like, yes, like staying on as like his supporting act is probably not going to be long-term career, but you know, she could have moved to Nashville. She could have tried to hook herself up with sort of the country rock or the country music scene there. If, if those were the songs that were inside of her, I'm sure the velocity of her career would have been way slower. Um, but it it could have happened. I th- and I think it could have happened. She obviously has enough natural talent in her as a as a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What do you What but do you there, think? Alice? There are so many, you know, very talented backup singers out there too. So I mean, and also just kind of like, would she be someone that you know she went viral on on the internet with that one? You know, it was was it shallow? Yeah, that you know the one song. I mean, I don't know. You know what what really could have happened? <laughs> Obviously, if nobody had really picked her up, or you know, a country label picked her up, or whatever it might be. I don't know. Other things we want to mention uh, that that we're big fans of, or are there any things about this movie that we didn't like as much? How is Sam Elliott? The brother, I, that's that's way too much of an age difference. I don't like it. I don't get it. <laughs> Wasn't Jackson was the kid that dad had at 18. So there's no older person. I don't know. I'm very confused. <laughs> How is that his brother? We'll tell you what, let's, that's a good segue. Thank you, Alex, professional <laughs> podcaster. Um, let's talk about Sam Elliott, um, who plays the role of Bobby in this movie. Obviously, this is our connection. You know, here's our roadhouse connection. There aren't really aren't very many other ones, Marcy. I tried to do yeah. that reverse IMDb search, but it's pretty much all weighed for us. Um, so, oh, well, let's start there. Like, does it make sense that these two guys are brothers? Like, well, just by their voices in the <laughs> amount of like gravel voice that these two gravel at each other, like there's that one argument that they're in where he's um, Jackson has just found out that his brother sold the farm, the family farm. And it's like the low tone resonance of these two men growling at each other was just spot on. Well, and not only that, but like, uh, Bobby just straight up says, like, you stole my voice. Yeah. Yeah, which, absolutely. Which, which is funny, because, like, if you, if you look at the trivia for this movie, um, I mean, uh, Bradley Cooper had a dialect coach, or he had a vocal coach. Yeah. Uh, but he did say, like, yeah, I basically practiced. I, I was trying to do a Sam Elliott. That's really cool. For the movie. Yeah. And I'm glad that they worked that into the movie, because I think it really works in that scene. Yeah. Um, but the age difference, I mean, it's, so I can't remember from the movie, like, is the, so the implication is like that, um, like is, is Bobby supposed to be like the much older brother? Well, they were clearly living with each other because at the end of the movie, Jackson says to Bobby that he didn't, he didn't look up to his dad. He was really admiring him. So they spent a significant amount of time together. And so you'd have to have maybe 10 years difference for that to happen. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like one of those things where it's like a 10 or 15 year age difference. And, and Bobby is almost as much of like a, 
surrogate father as he has a much older brother. Yeah. So how, how much difference in age are these two men really? Oh, well, that's another thing. Um, I can, Just I can look that up, but uh, m- more than that, I would say. Yeah. So, well, uh, leaving the age difference aside, um, Alice, what did you think about Sam Elliott in A Star is Born? I think he was, he was okay. I mean, he was very wise. I think that was, you know, that was, <laughs> that was his importance. Um, I just, man, I loved his speeches though. I mean, this, you know, selling the, the home. Oh my gosh. I mean, just his, his anger is, is incredible. And I don't know much about Sam Elliott at all, but no, he was very good in this. I wish, I I wish there had been more, you know, so this is, this movie is Sam Elliott's one and only Oscar nomination. He was nominated for best supporting actor for this role. Um, Marcy, in answer to your question, there is shall we say a bing crosby level age difference these two guys are 30 years apart oh god in real life but they're so like like how could that even be possible that they would grow up well i think jackson literally like jackson literally said like my dad i think it was had him or no mom had oh okay mom had him at 18 so (laughs) dad may have been very very old okay that makes a little bit more sense now that i kind of work through it a little bit but Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think they're actually 30 years apart in the movie. I would say mm-hmm. if if Jack is in his, say, early 40s, um, I think probably it makes sense that Bobby is, like, in his late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. And, you know, some people just go white. Some people go white at 30. Sure. Um, how much do you think Bobby uh, enables the alcoholism or just cleans up after it? A lot. Completely, yeah. yeah. I mean, based, so based on two things. One is like we see that that first scene. It is, and you know, I'd never seen this movie, and so like the first scene, at, like after the concert, where like Allie and Jack are sort of stumbling into their into his hotel room, and I was yeah. like, oh, really? They're going to do this now? Like this this movie is not going in the oh, direction right. I thought it was. And then yeah. that's the one where where Jack just like passes out on the bed. And then it's up to Bobby to come in and like rearrange him on the bed so that he's like in an appropriate posture. So based on that scene, I think obviously, you know, that that's happened a thousand times before. Now, Um, I I, like I was watching that uh, Barbara Streisand star is born and there is uh, like a Sam Elliott type helper. I'm not clear if it's his brother or not that it's portrayed in here, but that guy gives the um the Jackson main character uh cocaine and alcohol as he's going onto stage. Like he literally has him sniffing it out of his own hand. And so like I didn't I don't remember seeing that from Bobby in this movie, but no it was I, really striking in that other version. And I wouldn't and that just that doesn't seem like the way that Bobby would act. But the other scene that I would call back to is, you know, there's that scene where I think Jack's doing a sound check, and that's mm-hmm. where Bobby comes down and it's like, "You're not wearing your earplugs. I keep telling you to wear your earplugs." I get the sense that he's not so much an enabler as someone who's just sort of given up on trying to get Jack to do the right thing because yeah. Jack has just proven that he's not going to listen to him. Yeah. So. Like he's trying to help him manage his life so that they can keep in the business and keep going and keep doing it. Um, and it's interesting, like 
he gets fed up and he goes to play or goes to support Willie Nelson, who has been rocking for a really long time, certainly hit the drugs for a really long time, but maybe not spiraled out like that. Like, do you ever hear stories of Willie Nelson, like being completely thrown over drunk or anything like that? I think you hear a lot of stories about him being so high on marijuana that he can't even see the ground anymore. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a little different than being an alcoholic though. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. That reference, that reference to Willie Nelson in the movie is fun because, um, you know, and we'll talk more about this when we get to the music, but, uh, his Willie Nelson's son, uh, Lucas Nelson is actually the, um, the co-author for a lot of the songs, mm. uh, in this movie, like pretty much all of the Jackson Maine songs were co-written by Bradley Cooper, uh, and, uh, Lucas Nelson and Lucas Nelson's band, which is called the Lucas Nelson, the promise, the real that's Jack's band in this movie. Oh, so how fun. Lucas Nelson is in the movie. Yeah. That's cool. A lot. So that's a, that's a funny, like in joke there that they talk about him going off to play for Willie. Oh, anything else about Sam Elliott? I wish I agree. I wish he had been in more of the movie. I really like that last scene with him and Lady Gaga. Do you all want to talk about that last scene where they're sort of reminiscing after Jack kills himself? <laughs> yes, I feel like I, I'm like I don't know when I want to like bring up this whole portion of grief, this last you know piece of everything. Um, so for me personally, I actually uh, lost my partner last month so this movie was very interesting to watch again i mean thank god i knew you know i've seen it before this is not a surprise Mm. you know kind of stuff um but yeah no i think i may be cried out by now (laughs) um about you know just after watching it but um but it was yeah that was very interesting and so the reason i bring that up especially that sam elliott speech about you know somebody you know this this guy in the you know kid in the bar was singing one of jackson's songs and um you know they're playing his music all over the radio and they don't even know you know they don't even know him why are they doing this and it was so refreshing to hear that because people don't tell you that part about grief um that it's you you just get that like why are you, you know, offering condolences to these people? You don't, you don't know this person. You don't know them. You never reached out. You never, why are you, you know, doing a candlelight vigil for them? What do you, you you haven't seen them in years. You don't know them. Right. And you know that you're being silly for thinking that, but it's, it's, it's grief. Right. And it's, it's grief talking. And so I just thought it was very, very um, important and, and interesting that he did, that he did bring that up. I just, I really, I loved that, that speech. I had to like rewind and listen again because it was so, it was so fascinating to me. And I wanted a Sam Elliott to, you know, sit with me and be like, it's not your fault. It's them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was just very interesting for me. Yeah. It's a nice part. scene. Uh, and gosh, uh, Alice, I'm really sorry to hear yeah. that. Um, yeah. Thank you. That scene was originally written for Allie and her dad. Um, and was rewritten at some point during shooting to be between Allie and Bobby. And I do think it it takes on a takes on a different tone when it's like these two people who sort of intersect with Jack from totally different angles and in some sense are almost kind of oppositional for at least part of the movie. So then to see the two of them kind of 
have to come together and and grieve together, I think is an interesting uh interesting take. Marcy, what do you think about that scene? Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, it's they're both coming from a place of deeply loving him in very different ways. And so you know, it's, it's a really nice, nice scene. And I agree, like, that's a nice change that they made because I think having the Sam Elliott character come back to have some closure with his brother, you know, at different points along the way is really important. Um, you know, even when like he catches up with him, um, at a show and he's able to tell him, you know, it's better for him to be away from him and not, you know, be trying to, continue helping him through his dysfunctional life. I think it's all really important stuff. Yeah. I think if that scene were with Allie, like all I feel towards Allie's dad is rage. Mm. Those scenes where he is either degrading her or like exploiting her in front of her, his friends, like those scenes are like so profoundly disturbing and they come at a point of the movie where you're like, just feeling really sad for her. Yeah. So. Okie doke. Um, we've got some other things to talk about as far as this movie goes. Uh, I, I should just say, because before I forget, like, like, man, Bradley Cooper directed the hell out of this movie. This is his <laughs> this is his first directorial credit. Wow. He did um, a really great job. And yeah, he did an amazing job. I mean, he he shepherded he shepherded a movie, his first movie to Best Picture, two acting Oscars uh, nominations. Um but but not one for him, I think. And I heard that um, he was sort of cheesed out about the fact that he did not get uh, nominated for Best Director for this movie that picked up like eleven other Oscar nominations. Mm. Um, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see who who he did who beat him out to get nominated for Best Director. Let's see. Um, Spike Lee for Black Klansman. Okay, that's good. Pavel Polakowski for Cold War. I've literally never heard of that movie. Hmm. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite. Alfonso Cuadón for Roma. Adam McKay, Vice. This is not a strong category. I'm mad now that Bradley Cooper did not get nominated for Best Director because he's he's at least as good as, I don't know, at least two out of the three nominations in this category. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Not, all right. I'll just be mad. Anybody have any other sort of general takes on the movie before we start talking about like slightly more specific things? Like we'll talk more about the music, but anything else about the stuff that happened in this movie that either of you want to make sure to bring up now? I mean, yeah, I think that it's, I mean, to me, I kind of wasn't a big, I I was not necessarily a big fan of that parking lot scene because it did seem a bit silly to me of, oh, I'm just going to kind of start you know, randomly singing a little bit and then, oh, you're good. Like it just, it was very fantastical. It's escapist, but it was, that was something kind of in the, I don't know if I really like this. There were just some things that I was like, this is, this is silly. You just start randomly, you know, singing some little tune that you maybe made up in your brain two seconds ago. I don't know that that didn't sit well with me. I, I mean, like I, that I, scene I, a lot. And I, I I think you're right. It does have a fantastical moment to it. But as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, maybe that's like how people that can do that, do that, you know? And, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I have heard from, you know, some podcasts that I listen to stories about like the really genius singer songwriters, um, you know, they can just, they just go into a room and they come out half an hour later and it's like, you know, here's Imagine. 
Um, like the, and, and, you know, I don't know that you would necessarily buy that Allie is on that level, but I think you could believe that it might happen. Yeah. And you want to believe that, yeah, he stumbles into a, a, a drag bar and is like, oh, I guess this person who sings a totally different, you know, genre of music, you know, seems interesting to you, but I mean, Hey, you know what? It's, it's a fantasy. <laughs> what a great scene that is. I, I love yeah. her performance of Le'Veon Rose. Oh yeah, um, it's sure. just an it's an amazing performance. It's interesting that he meets her like he meets her for the first time in a drag bar where she's obviously not in drag. Uh, I mean, she's got yeah. some of the drag makeup on, but it's 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 interesting. That weird part where he takes off her eyebrow mm-hmm. that oh, that felt like that was a little yucky for me. I don't think you would like it if someone did that to you, Marcy. If you, I'll tell you what, if you're ever wearing fake eyebrows like that, I will never attempt to pluck them off of your face. Please don't. I won't. He clearly just wanted to touch her, though. Like, touch all of her parts. Well, touch her nose. Touch her nose repeatedly. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, I think, you know, again, sort of going back to this, I, the idea that this is sort of, this is the fictional biopic for Lady Gaga. Like, I like the fact that they talk honestly about how her impediment to becoming famous, at least from her perspective, is how she looks. Um, Because that was a real thing for Lady Gaga, too. Like, you know, her, shall we say, not classical face was one of the things that she felt like held her back for at least the beginning part of her career. And then isn't like her nose, her looks kind of that, like, I think call back to like Barbara Streisand in that same yeah. sort of role. That's what I was thinking too, with the, the nose and yeah, cool. yeah. Cool I really disliked when she had the orange hair later in the movie mm-hmm. and like, it was just so processed and gross. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's all kind of, kit in or part and parcel when you're like doing that kind of poppy music it's part of being fed through the machine yeah well marcy are you ready to talk about the cruise and pit sure so uh, alice one of the segments we do on all these episodes is something called the cruise and pit this is for a call back to our old podcast where we talk about the food and drink that we might like to pair with this movie um okay. so let's start with the cruise that's our drink in honor of uh the Cinematic classic, which listeners will literally be the next episode that you hear this podcast, because we're going to start what? our we're going to start our journey into the Kelly Lynch over with the Tom Cruise classic cocktail, uh, where he plays the last barman poet. Um, so I don't have well, I do have one specific drink, but before that, um, Marcy, I actually have a little quiz for the two of you. Uh, a quiz about a quiz about gin, um, because. Gin, actually, which, Marcy, I think is one of your favorite uh, fortified spirits, yes? I don't know. That stuff is some rough sauce, but I think it all is. I thought you liked it. I thought you drank it, and you liked it more than all the other stuff. I always like everything when it's half gone. (laughs) Oh, so you're (laughs) saying that the third or fourth cocktail tastes great. It sure does. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, tell you what. If it weren't for gin, these two lovebirds may not have ever gotten together because that's what he runs out of in the limo. And that's why he gets taken to the drag bar. So uh, he's just drinking straight gin. He's oh. got a bottle. <laughs> the bottle runs Ooh, out. Um, rough. I don't think he's a man of a lot of taste when it comes to what he drinks. Uh, but here, so here's my question, because um, there's a whole bunch of different. Uh, when I went researching cocktails, I found out some some drink lingo. Um, which has to do with like how you prepare things. Um, 
So here are three different ways you can take your gin straight. And I'm curious if either one of you can correctly identify what they mean. So the first is neat. So if you say, I want, I want, uh, I want uh, gin, neat. What does that mean? Marcy, you go first. What do you think neat means? Uh, it means you put nothing else in it. Okay. Alice, agree or no. think it's something else? I was going to say no ice. No ice. I'll tell you what. I think both of you are right. Neat just means as is. Okay. Okay. How about, this is a little bit harder. So Marcy, what do you think it, mean, if it means if I say I'd like, I'd like my gin up? Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm going to just guess that this one means that it has um, ice in it. Okay. Alice, what do you think? A double shot? Oh, those, oh. Are, those are both both good guesses. I'd never heard of this either. So if you order your drink up, it means that you want it cold, but not with the ice. So oh, like they, so they, they have to make it, it for you in the shaker, and then they strain it into your glass. Uh, that would be getting your gin, or like if you order like a martini up. Um, How does it get cold from that? Well, because there's ice in the shaker, but because oh, they because they strain okay. it when they pour it into your glass, yeah. you don't get any of the ice. Interesting. Okay. Marcy, last one. What do you what do you think it means to get it on the rocks? Well, on with ice then. Alice, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you okay, yeah. So that's the difference. So so ladies, when you go into a bar, make sure that you you know whether you're gonna order your drink up or on the rocks. Okay. Okay. So Marcy, I got one more drink for you. I, I wanna see what you think about this. This is a it's called a gin Caesar. Gin Caesar. All right. It, it kind of it's sort of bloody Mary adjacent. So here it is. So coat the rim of a tall glass with steak seasoning. Ugh. Then add two ounces of gin, six ounces of clamato juice, three dashes of Worcestershire sauce, three dashes of hot sauce, one dash of olive brine, the juice from half a line, salt and pepper, garnished with olives and a celery stick. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. Alice, what do you think, you, Alice? Would you drink a gin Caesar? No, I. I mean, if it was an an enema and I was trying to have a bowel movement, that's, <laughs> <what> you <were. laughs> that's awesome. the only reason. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to the pit. So the pit is where we talk about what food we might pair with this movie. Marcy, why do we call it the pit? Because Brad Pitt eats everything in his movies. That's right. He's a cereal eater on camera. Cereal eater. I don't have a specific meal. So like one of our previous episodes, but I do think it, it's time for us to talk about brunch because there is a pretty epic brunch scene in this movie. Um, they're sort of morning after scene. Uh, so my question for both of you. So Alice, you can go first. Like what would be your go-to brunch order if cost and calories are no object? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a picky eater, but actually I just went and had the best chocolate chip pancakes, but yeah, I love chocolate chip pancakes um, with like, like apples on them. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm trying to think what else I know. I mean, so yeah, yeah. Cost is nothing. And then what my, my stomach doesn't get full, you know, that would be, <laughs> I was going to say like, and waffles and, you know, um, and I, I love bacon. I love home fries. Um, this sounds maybe. like our dinner tonight. Yeah. We had right. we, our dining hall at the school we work generously provided us with breakfast for dinner tonight. Marcy, what about you? What would be your um, ideal brunch order? Well, I like what Alice is saying about the stomach not getting full. So, <laughs> um, I always like like omelets, and I love omelets with lots of cheese and sausage and vegetables in there. Um, 
And if I could eat multiple donuts at a time, <laughs> I would have, do you know what a Bismarck is? No. A Bismarck is a jelly donut that also has frosting on the inside. Wait, That's on the inside? Good. Yeah, it's like injected with with vanilla frosting and jelly. Wow. That's amazing. And the French crawler. And then I would might also eat a Boston cream donut too. Oh my god, no, I want an apple fritter. <laughs> oh, an apple fritter. Apple god, that's awesome. Too. Yeah. Those are good choices. Or Here... like a warm croissant too. <laughs> you want all the all the all the muffins and bagels in the land. Deliver yeah. them to you. Um, here's what Jack and Allie get. Uh, I found this out. I wrote this, this all down. So on the table at the same time, there's three eggs and bacon, three pieces, three pieces of French toast with bananas, foster, um, a bowl of oatmeal, a fruit plate, one plate of egg whites with chicken and spinach and a basket of bread for two. Not a bad breakfast. No, it's, I, I sort of think Jack just like went down the room service menu and said, give me everything. All the things, uh, all the things I don't know what she wants. Okay, Mars, Parents Corner. This is the time where we talk about whether this movie would be appropriate for our two uh, teen-ish teen children uh, to watch. Uh, some factual information. Uh, this movie is rated R. Uh, Common Sense Media says that this movie is for 16 and up. Parents also say 16 and up. Kids say 14 and up. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think this movie probably earns its R and I don't think it would be appropriate for, I mean, well, let me put it this way. I think it would be appropriate for our older child who's 14 as a cautionary tale. I don't think I would show this to my younger child yet. No, I don't think he would be interested in a lot of that. Uh, he doesn't seem like he likes people in peril very much. And, you know, there's a lot of alcohol, alcoholic peril there's some Lady Gaga breast, right? There is. Yes, yeah. we do see we do see uh, a full breast. Yeah, but that's the pretty much the extent of the nudity and like maybe a little sexing. A little bit, but yeah, not. But not a lot. It's not explicit. Um, but I think you know part of it comes down to interest, and I don't know how interesting this would be for the boys. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think we could get our older son to watch this movie? Probably he not. might, he might, but I don't know how much he would be like riveted to it. I think it's pretty slow for, yeah. for our kids. Alice, what do you think about this movie in terms of its appropriateness yeah. for kids? I think, the, I mean, the suicide part is hard. So something, and I did not catch this and I did not catch this again, but seeing it in, in theaters, I didn't realize like that he had committed suicide until, you know, they talked about it. But I like my my friend that I saw it with was like, well, yeah, you can see hanging or something through the garage door. I was more focused on that dog there. That was the most painful, oh. you know, thing seeing Charlie there, um, you know, versus like trying to look at the garage door. Can you actually see that? Like, I think you can see. I think hanging? I don't know that you can see his head. I think you can see. I thought I remembered that you could see his. You can definitely see, see something. You can see something because I also for some reason I had this memory that it was like and then maybe it was because he had tried it you know this way first with the pills but the um the car I thought that it was like suicide by car in a garage you know intoxication so I, I was just surprised today watching it yeah hmm. I, I kind of thought that 
he died in his car as well. And I might've even thought that it was a car crash. So I was surprised when that moment in the movie happened. It's an interesting directorial choice because in the previous movies, so spoiler alert for 1970s, the star is born and 1950s, the star is born um, in, in all of these movies, the main lead actor kills himself. Um, but in the two previous movies, he does it by like drowning himself. Mm. Uh um, and you get some sort of vague reference wow. in this movie, like he's sort of, uh, you know, he's, you see him swimming and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like Marcy, if you keep watching that 1978 one, like Chris Christopherson is just going to like walk into the waves until, until he doesn't come back. Oh, huh. so I don't know how we feel about this particular way yeah, how, how appropriate that is for, for, yeah. for kids to see how, how yeah. old is your younger kid? 11, 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, even here. 11, even 14, you know, you don't want even, you know, yeah. God forbid, any more ideas or anything No, like they don't that, need so. any seeds planted, right? Yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit more about the music in this movie? Mm-hmm. It's great. One of the, I think one of the greatest things about this movie is how many songs were written for the movie. And I remember when we were watching it, Marcy, like there's that scene. Oh, hello, Ken. <laughs> um we have a new guest on the podcast tonight. Alice, Alice who is this? Giant cat. <laughs> this is Chevy. Hi, Chevy. Is um, it a really big cat or is it really just close to the camera? I think no, that's a camera trick. He's a kid. No, no, no. He's, he's pretty big. He's pretty big. Or he has a lot of fur is what I was told. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Alice does own a cat Fun. whose head is larger than her face. Um <laughs> So, Marcy, I remember when we were watching this, there's that scene. Remember when they get Jack to just, like, play a song in the drag bar and uh, just because he's there? Yeah. And and you said to me, like, oh, I know that song. Like, it was a song yeah. that you just recognized. I thought I had. That song is original to the movie. Hmm. Um, it's I, called. I feel like I've heard that on the country station that I listened to. Well, I, you probably did. I mean, I think yeah. after the movie came out, it was... Um, I, I think it might have even gotten released as a single. Hmm. Um, but most of many of the songs in this movie were were written for the movie, um, either by, you know, Mark Ronson and Lady Gaga or by Bradley Cooper and Lucas Nelson. Um, what were our favorite songs from this movie? We've talked about some of them already, but like, is it is it shallow? Are there other songs that you all like just as much or better? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, shallow for sure. Um, suddenly I'm blanking on every song. I I love the ending song, of course. Yeah, let's um, talk about that song. So that's the song. It's called "I'll Never Love Again." Yeah. Um, that's the song that oh, uh, yeah. Ali sings in sort of in that like I guess it's a it's like a tribute concert. I think you're you're led to believe. Um, I think that song is great. And I, Marcy, I remember you were talking about how you really like the way that they filmed that scene where they like mm-hmm. cut from that stage to then that really intimate scene with the two of them around the piano. You really liked that song, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Um, and I liked, I, I liked how it was something that he had written for her and then she was the one that performed it. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah, I like that. And I also like how I I think, you know, we were talking about sort of the arc of Ali's career in this movie, um, Mm. which sort of parallels Lady Gaga's. I feel like, and I know I said this to you too, like when I hear Lady Gaga sing that song, she, she sounds a lot like Whitney Houston Mm. um, in just in terms of like the, 
the power behind her voice and the type of song it is. And one of the things I like about that song is I think I think it could lead you to believe that like she has with with song with that song and songs like that, she's kind of moving into a new stage of her career where maybe she's going to move away from that sort of teeny pop songs and into more of sort of uh I don't know what you would call it, maybe a more mature song catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like I like that song for for a whole bunch of reasons. Was that supposed to be the My Love song that he had written? And then they like changed the name of it? Because remember that he had said, Oh yeah, you know, she had found in the in the notebook the My My Love yeah, I think song. So. I wonder if that was yeah, that seemed like that was it. And then mm-hmm. you know, she changed the name of it, which is fine. And yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think so. The soundtrack is great. I've listened to the soundtrack a bunch of times, although it does commit what I think is a mortal sin, which is that like interspersed between like every two or three songs is like a 45 second audio clip from the movie, um, which like I detest soundtracks, mm-hmm. movie soundtracks that attempt to do that. Um, but if you fast forward past that, like there's a lot of other great songs. Um, there's a song from the movie. I remember it's called, uh, Always remember us this way. Yeah. The Lady Gaga song. I love that song. I think that song is amazing. Yeah, that's that's when I started crying. Yeah, for sure. But I thought they were gonna bring it back at the end. For some reason I thought that they'd even brought it back at the end, because that's you know, bookends right there. But... According to so some some trivia, according to the IMDB, uh Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, like the recordings you hear of these songs are recorded live. Hmm. These are not being lip synced to and then overdubbed afterwards. That's and interesting. Apparently that was Lady Gaga. Like she she pushed really hard for that. Well, that seems to make sense. She's a really like strong performer. She'd probably want to have that right out there. It's like not being lip synced, right? And this is this is not Bradley Cooper's voice, or it's mixed. No, this like... is Bradley Cooper. He's singing these songs. Okay. For some reason, I thought that he had someone for him, but yeah. No, nobody doubled for him. Like, if you look at the credits, he's singing almost all these songs. This is him on the the uh, on the soundtrack. And uh, if you haven't already, I would strongly encourage all of you and our listeners to go watch the Academy Award performance of Shallow by Bradley Cooper and Lady oh, Gaga. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a jaw-dropping moment. Um, and it's, uh, I could, I understand why people said afterwards, it's like, oh, maybe they weren't acting. Maybe they, you know, there was something Mm -hmm. going on there. I don't think there was, but just watching that performance, people are like, wow, these, Mm -hmm. these people are, this is some amazing chemistry. Oh, what else? Uh, I mean, before we, before we get to the, the fix it shop, uh, is there anything I'm running out of notes here? Are there any other things about the movie that we need to make sure that we immortalize here on tape before we bid farewell to our listeners. More Charlie. We need more of that dog. I love <laughs> that dog. <laughs> That's Bradley Cooper's real dog. What? That was one of the little tidbits that I read. Was it his real dog like before the movie or was it like a Vigo yeah. Mortensen situation where the dog came into the movie and then he just took it with him? I don't think <laughs> it was that way. I think it was his dog from before the movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. What is that oh. dog was like a, it's like a poodle mix or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what it looked yeah. like. I was just um, like scrolling through something here and it reminded me that Dave Chappelle was in this movie as his friend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, was a really, really cool. nice scene. Yeah. With um, 
his the daughter in there and he just kind of like regrounds him to being a little bit more of like all right Bradley you've got to get your stuff together but um you know at the same time he's like also it's hard it's hard when you have somebody that that's so damaged that you know needs help but doesn't really do the part that gets them the help so what, what's the timeline were they only a few months into their relationship and then it was like yeah let's get engaged and married on the same day oh, like yeah. that, that was jarring it's hard yeah. to tell because like how how famous is ali at that point pretty famous right barely i don't think she she didn't get the offer yet right for the inner scope i don't think oh um, i thought it was after was it? i, I don't I can't remember. He, yeah, that's the one part of the movie I can't remember that well, like mm-hmm. how he even ends up there. Um, Doesn't he, like, he gets so drunk that he's left on the side of the road somewhere and his friend finds him in his yard? He, like, winds up stumbling into his yard. That much I remember, but I can't tell. And, like, I can't even tell. Like, how long do we think it is from Allie performs Shallow on stage for the first time impromptu to she's singing his tribute after he dies? Like, are we talking a year? Less than a year? More than a year? She was a new artist, then a year. I mean, it could be she popped up in months and then quickly got that nomination, but I guess a year. That's a good point. It's got to be less than two years. Probably. Yeah. Man, yeah. that that Grammy scene is so cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I felt so bad for them both. That was awful. Yeah. She's a she is a better partner than I. Like if Marcy, if you came on stage during one of the best moments of my career, that would have been that's that's hard. I think that's hard to come back from. But she loves him a lot. Yeah. I think that if you truly you know, love someone, this idea. And I mean, this is kind of going back to my, you know, personal things with, you know, with, with my partner and everything where, you know, you love someone so much and they're like, no, my burden, my burden. You know, what, what a scene that was, you know, I ruined mm. your, you know, your, your, your time. I ruined your moment. And it's like, you love them. No, of course not. Of course not. You know, you just, that's kind of what you do. I, I feel like, you know, when you're in that, mm. in that situation. So that was very interesting to see. I blame her handlers. Like, there were many times when you could have stopped Jack from actually making it all the way up on stage. That was a Herculean effort on his part. Like, maybe when he's sitting on the steps, some people who are running this production um, or are looking out for her need to come over and say, like, sir, let let us help you find your seat again. And, oh, by the Mm -hmm. way, your seat is now backstage. Mm, Get out of there. But like yet another, you know, viral moment, just like Ali had, you know, but for different reasons. Like part of me is like, oh, no, no, let the weird stuff happen. Let the Will Smith, you know, Chris Rock slap basically happen. You know, this is how we get, you know, clicks, basically. So it's interesting, too. It might be a reason why they didn't, you know, pull him back from it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Marcy, you got anything else before we put a bow on this? I don't. Thank you for asking. Okay. Well, the last thing we do on these episodes um, is something called the Fix-It Shop, where we each maybe pick out one thing from the movie that we either would change or add that we think maybe would make it a better movie. So um, I don't want to put our guest on the spot because she's never done this before. So Marcy, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, What's something that you would change about A Star is Born to make it a better movie? Um, hmm. Well, I would like to say more songs, but there were a lot of great songs in there. 
Um, yeah, I, there's nothing that really stands out to me as like, this was really upsetting in a way, um, that I doesn't have to be terrible. You can pick something that's a B and tell us how to make it into a B plus. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we were watching for Sam Elliott. I'd love to see more of him, of course. Um, but no, I don't really, I'm sorry. I don't really have anything big. Well, more Sam Elliott. I think that's a perfectly, yeah. that take is so good. That was my take. So now while Alice talks, I'm going to have to come <laughs> up with a plan B. Alice, what's, <laughs> a, what's something that you would change about A Star is Born to make it a better movie? Maybe surprise us that he doesn't die in the end or that, I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe she dies or, you know, something just really, I mean, I mean, turn it on its head. You expect that he's going to die. I mean, it would be great if none of them, none of them did uh -huh. um, or one of them, or I guess both of them, if we're going to do remember us this way, that's it for that, for that song, for the purpose of that song, um, you know, something like that would be obviously very jarring. But if I wouldn't like the movie if both of them died at the end, over like always remember us this way but <laughs> um wow that's, but, a, yeah. that's a strong take they could call the movie a star is born and dies oh my gosh oh. yeah wow. oh. um, <laughs> i will pick since i can't pick more sam elliott um i think i think i would like to see them develop the 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 conflict between Jack and Allie over the trajectory of her career a little more. Um, I feel like maybe there's like two like there's like one or two scenes on the cutting room floor that they probably cut for the sake of time because this is already a pretty long movie. But it's like it's like we're together and we're doing country together. Now you're the best thing on TV and you're on Saturday Night Live. Now I'm really jealous of you, and that's the end of that. Like I feel like there was a scene or two that we missed where he could have sort of tried to make that point on her way up. Maybe I'm not remembering a scene that there was like that, but like where he could sort of point out to her is like, Hey, you're, you're changing a lot. I mean, I, they do that a little bit. I think they could have, could have probably done it more. So. Yeah. And maybe with some better, better communication strategies, you know? Oh, but Marcy, we all know based on white Christmas, the key to successful dramatic irony is improbable lack of communication. Yeah. No. <laughs> what if they were in therapy the whole time no <laughs> hey. well great well gosh i i've just really enjoyed our conversation tonight talking about this movie alice thank you so much for coming on our podcast yeah, thank you, we alice. loved having you as a guest mm -hmm. yeah. um would you would you like to plug any of your dozens of other podcast appearances or should we just say listen to any random movies by minutes podcast and you have a decent chance of coming across you at some point. Yeah. Leah, listen to anything random. I mean, my, my Twitter is pod socialite. Um, cause that is what they have now called me in this lovely movies <laughs> by minute community podcast socialite. Um, but yeah, pod socialite is my, is my Twitter and I'm sure people will, will include me in all of their tweets about what's coming up next. For sure. I, I will just recommend one because I, as I was um, getting ready for tonight, I was looking back. I just plugged in like Alice Lauren into my phone to see, and there were multiple podcasts that came up on my phone. Um, so yeah. I'll just recommend one to our listeners. Um, the Social Minute, which is the Movies by Minute podcast about the social network, which I know you were on for a week. Um, the, the Henley Regatta race week, actually, I think as it were. Um, and, and you were great on that, as you always are. Oh, thank you. So thanks for 
Thanks for coming on. Um, and thank you, all of you, for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Uh, please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Uh, come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at RHMinute. And you can email us at DaltonSaysBeNice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye.